Hello and welcome back everyone to another exciting episode with Rabbit Hole Stories. Hey guys, hope everyone's okay. Ian here. Uh, we've just finished speaking with Arsen. Um, it was an interesting chat as always. I keep saying that every episode, but it's always interesting when we go on these conversations. It's been a fascinating journey with all the guests we've had and um, that was no different for today's de- uh, to, sorry today's guest as well, um, where we had a bit of a just sort of chill, low key chat with Arsen, um, and a few points were raised and uh, discussed. One of them was memes, Joel. Mm. Uh, we always say that uh, like Bitcoin is the language; uh, it's internet money now. Uh, we could say that uh, memes are internet language, I guess. So that's sort of one clue for the episode. And I would also say very low-key, very chill, and um, pretty much one I think you can listen to on a Sunday afternoon. So have fun, guys. Enjoy. And get to listen to what creators can do uh, in our ecosystem. Enjoy. Right, hello. And welcome back to Rabbit Hole Stories with another another relay team member. <laughs> We're trying to like tackle your relay team, Arsen. And uh, it's Arsen who's the social media manager. Um, and I mean, people know us, right, Ian? We don't need to do the whole introduction anymore. Yeah, I, they'll they'll listen so. to the intro anyway. Yeah. So uh, we'll get right to Arsen. So Arsen, first of all, it's lovely having you here. Thanks for taking your time. And can you maybe give the listeners a quick introduction as to who you are and what you do in the Bitcoin landscape? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I hope I hope Emo represented really well. Hope he didn't embarrass us. Um, basically, I'm Arsen. I go by the name Baggins on Twitter. Um, do you want the whole rabbit hole story or also like... But before Bitcoin. I mean, it was just the introduction, so we, we get into the rabbit hole story later on. All right. Well, I'm Arsene. I do social media for Relay. So if you if you ever interact with Relay or you see a bad meme, you can blame me and you can complain directly to me. Yeah, it was it was when I messaged Relay a few days ago on Twitter. I, I like messaged something. I was like, oh, maybe it's not, hey, guys, maybe it's just Arsene. And I added that to the byline. So uh, whenever you engage with Relay, know it's him and... Uh, you're like fucking fast. Like there's not a lot of waiting time between messaging your account and getting a response. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think it's, I think especially on social media, you know, on email, it's acceptable like five, six, seven hours. But I I think on social media, people really expect fast answers and, you know, it's tricky because I have to be everywhere, but I think it's important uh, to always be uh, available for people. Yeah, that's true. Because, um, it's quite dynamic isn't it social media it's a little bit kind of instantaneous so if something someone puts something out there they expect near instantaneous responses and um yeah you're right with email it's a bit of a, a slow thing now um and a lot of you know in my fiat mining world ugh, i'm sending emails all the time and it's just ambiguous as to when you're even going to get a response but with social media there is that expectation i think yeah also most social media apps you can also see when somebody read uh, your message. So that puts a little bit of pressure on you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll go into social media. I have a love-hate mm. relationship with it. So mm. just, uh, yeah, ask away. I think everyone does who's worked in social because uh, I actually forgot to mention this in my rabbit hole, but uh, Back when I finished, almost finished my training in media studies, which is essentially what you do if you want to become a journalist, 
um, I then started freelancing and took on social media work. And the first like six to 12 months, you're like, oh, this is fucking amazing. You're always online. But after that, you're like, oh, for God's sakes, I have to respond to someone on Instagram or whatever. Um, so I'll definitely get into that later on. I suppose it depends on the industry. Like if I didn't do social media for Relay, I would be shitposting anyway. So I might as well get paid for it. <laughs> so for me, it works. That's a good point. That's a good point. You, oh, you're like the embodiment of one of those tweets where it says you get paid 420k a year to shitpost. I guess that's not your salary. But if you think about that tweet, tweet that would be arsene uh, personified. Yeah, I think, well... When I describe it to people, it usually sounds like a dream job. Obviously, people don't know exactly mm. all the everything that goes into the work. But yeah, when I when I introduce myself, I usually tell that I get paid for sh posting memes, which is kind of true, <laughs> probably five percent of what I do. But that's that's how I, you know, that's how I introduce myself. Nice. And uh, I mean, the podcast title is Rabbit Hole Stories, you asked before. Uh, let's maybe dive down into your Bitcoin journey. And you can be as open as you want, Arsene, if you want to feature your life pre-Bitcoin, if that's part of the story, or if you just want to focus off how you've gotten in. Uh, the floor is yours. Let's listen in. Yeah, well, I can do like a one minute version of my life story and then talk about my Bitcoin journey, which is pretty typical, not that interesting. But yeah, I, I was born in Russia. I grew up in Finland. Now I live in uh, in France, but not France, France, but like a French territory. Uh, as I told you guys before we hit the record, it's a it belongs to France, but it's a French ter territory, so it's in the Indian Ocean. So I live there now, which is nice because uh, it's summer here all the time. Uh, and I, I, in terms of my Bitcoin story i i think i heard about it in 2015 but i didn't really pay attention it was at, at, i think at 1k or something but i was in university and i had other worries like you know chasing girls and all that kind of stuff and uh, then the next time i heard in 2017 uh not sure where but uh i was heavy into shit coins i was a uh, i was the biggest iota shill there there is do you guys know do you remember iota yeah that dumb the fuck is iota no Never heard it doesn't of it. ring about to me i still don't know what it is <laughs> uh but yeah a total shit coin but uh then obviously i discovered safety moose uh jimmy song and you know all the people we know from bitcoin twitter and uh they they made me a maximalist I think I bought the top of 2017. I'm not even joking. I think like the literal top. So I rode all the way down. And uh, while I was waiting to, you know, recuperate my losses, I I had a lot of time to think and study Bitcoin. So I, I did the, the, I read the usual stuff, which is the Bitcoin standard, uh, a bunch of books, uh, a bunch of books. I think uh, like Jimmy Song has a great book. I think Knut Swanholm has uh, two books that I read, which were really good. And um, yeah, pretty boring story, but just came came in for the money and uh, stayed for the technology. I want to know a bit more about this. Um, what was it? IOTA? I don't want to remember it, but it's just, uh, it had something to do with Internet of Things. And it still exists because... Mm you know, the people who believe in it are really delusional. They have really heavy bags. So it's, you know, as much as we want most of the shit coins to die, like they have really passionate communities 
yeah, it's still out there, and I still check on it from time to time just to see what stupid shit they're up to. But yeah, I mean, I, I probably had like hundreds of shit coins, and I still have, probably have some shit coins on Binance, but I'm I'm, I'm locked out from there, which is uh, you know. <laughs> Now I use Relay, so I cannot get locked out of my Bitcoin. Uh, but yeah, now I'm Bitcoin only and uh, have been for the last three years. And, nice. Um, what made you get into that coin originally? Was it just something you heard about and then you just got involved in it and it just snowballed from there? Or was it just... How, how did you first hear about it and come across it? So the shitcoin, IOTA? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you know, it had the right buzzwords uh you know and uh i think they were backed by some big uh, vcs so obviously they have huge reach and bitcoin bitcoin only community is this small small thing on the side which you know it's, it's hard to discover when there's so much noise from the crypto uh, crypto companies and crypto projects and uh yeah i just i was naive i thought that you know I thought that Bitcoin, blockchain, not Bitcoin. I thought, you know, all the slogans I believed, you know, Anthony Pompliano used to say that tokenize the world and I was a believer in this, but you know, you live, you learn and you just realize that it's only Bitcoin that matters. I, I, I guess that's the, that's one of the, um, it's really a persuasion technique. Um, and I, I love that I can say this because I used to write a lot of copy for, uh, web three crypto companies um for that matter crypto funds um and the funny thing is whenever you get a look behind the scene i mean there's so much shit going on like like it is in every industry if you work in vc financial markets and stuff um it's always the same stuff but the funny thing was all of them their goal was let's create a token to a get rich obviously because you get the insider dumping and such and uh, B, to then buy more Bitcoin. And that's how I essentially turned over to like, okay, I know I work for these companies because I was always um, prioritizing Bitcoin. Like if I got paid in a token, I would exchange it uh, off to a stable coin and then wait for like uh, the dip and try to buy from there. But I always failed. So I started DCAing into it like as soon as Relay came out. And before that, I used Kraken for that matter. Imagine that, buying on the exchange and trying to DCAing into there. Um, and it's always the same stuff. Like you mentioned it, buzzwords, you have big goals, big visions, and you're trying to use that to just get people on board and buy as many tokens as they are to profit the insider. Um, and if it's an A16 company, especially, you get like, you get the Christmas tree. Have you ever seen that, Arsene? You must have seen that meme from A16. The Christmas tree? Can you Can you remind me? It is basically every chart from every, like Solana, I think Avalanche, every project um, A16Z has invested in, in the crypto space. And it's always like the slow uh, rise up there, the pump, and then the fall. And now during the Christmas time, everyone put like Christmas carols and stuff on top of it um, because it shows the same pattern for every possible <laughs> investment they did. But that's basically a recap for most of these altcoins, which is if people want to invest in this, fine. Try and make the kickback, most likely you'll fail and hopefully end on a Bitcoin on the Bitcoin landscape end. Yeah, I think that's how most most of us came to Bitcoin. We, you know, either we got burnt or, you know, got really disappointed by the promises. And yeah, like the Bitcoin the VC fueled shitcoin industry is really dirty. Like that's the thing about Bitcoin. Even though Bitcoin has also VCs and there's some really good uh, Bitcoin VCs that, for example, support relay too, it's 
there is no pump and dump scheme because it's just Bitcoin. Yeah, and I mean, you, you know, you could make the case that maybe there are smaller funds who are trying to like uh, utilize the chance of like a bull market, but they die out as soon as the bull market is over. Um, but what I'm really interested in is it, you mentioned a few times now you work for Relay, which is obviously a Bitcoin only company. Mm. If you compare that to your previous life, I guess, have you done a lot of social work before Relay for other companies as well? Uh, not really. Relay was the first company I did social media for. Okay. But if you if you were to compare it from what you've seen with like shitcoin companies and so, what is the biggest difference for a Bitcoin only company working comparison to like a normal company? So you mean like a normal company or a crypto company? I, I would go with the normal company because probably most people have their fiat jobs like Ian mentioned. Yeah. Well, you want the short answer or the long one? We go for the long one. Go mate. for the long. All right. Um yeah, well, well, the the one thing that most brands and it doesn't apply to non-Bitcoin brands when they do social media, they forget the social part. You know, they treat it as a broadcast media. You know, they just like here's us, and now we're telling a story about us, and and they they treat the they don't have a community, they have an audience, which is a a different thing. And uh, so so yeah, you you. They, they they don't really behave like a normal user on, on these social media platforms. And uh, what's really important, especially for Bitcoin and uh, unfortunately also crypto, that, you know, it, they're very community driven. You know, Bitcoin is a grassroots movement and it has grown very organically. It has attracted people organically. You know, there's no marketing budget or nothing. It just grows slowly, you know, TikTok next block. And that's the same with you know, Bitcoin brands and Bitcoin companies, it's, it feels very grassroots. And we still like to say at Relay that we're, you know, community driven, even though, you know, we have a corporate structure and we have investors, but like, we're so, without community, there would be no Relay. Like when Adam and Julian released the MVP, like the community picked it up and they got really involved, uh, just helping for free. Cause obviously at that point, Adam and Julian didn't have money to pay anybody. And, um, which is also how I joined uh, Relay. Uh, which I applied as an intern because I just wanted to work for a Bitcoin company. And actually Julian turned me down because I didn't speak German. So I just kept pestering him in DMs, sending him memes. And then, you know, I guess he got tired of it and he hired me. But yeah, going back to your question, like community is really important. It's uh, Bitcoin is grassroots movement. And so is the the community that's built around these Bitcoin projects and, and also the wider Bitcoin community. So I would say that would be the biggest that would be the biggest difference. And also for me, it's easy because I'm, I'm one of the plebs. So like I have no trouble speaking to, uh, speaking to other plebs because I would do that anyway. And um, yeah, it's just when you speak to, when you speak to your community, you have to speak about them. You don't have to, you don't speak about the company, but you speak about them, about their journey. And uh, I think it comes quite naturally to me because I'm an outgoing person, but also I'm a Bitcoiner. So I understand how they think. And then I can I can actually have a person in mind when I talk. So that's why, you know, for example, I think Relay is doing pretty well on social media. And most most companies do social media really poorly. It's like they get no engagement because they just, again, they take the social out of social media. Yeah, and I meant, uh, I, I can imagine that um, a lot of what you guys present on social, uh, whether it be on Twitter uh, or on other channels, 
I imagine that's what a lot of how like internal discussions are held as well. So if you're like, you're not in the office now in Zurich, but if you're like got team retweets and stuff, I don't think it's any different than if we go to like a Bitcoin meetup <laughs> and uh, probably talk about Bitcoin 24 seven. Yeah, actually the, like we have a podcast, but you also had another idea like one year ago, which is we just wanted to record our marketing calls because they were just, it was just a, it was just a bit, it was just like this, it was just a discussion between Bitcoiners and uh, so yeah, we never did that because we would be, we would have been canceled if we released those episodes because <laughs> there was a lot of, a lot of bad ideas. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the good thing about Bitcoin. There's no catch really. There's no kind of, um, I mean, with your, with, with social media within Bitcoin, you, you, you're, basically communicating to like-minded people you're not um trying to convince them of a certain mindset because they already sold on that mindset so um in a way you're you're communicating to people on the same level and and i, I guess that that resonates quite quite well with uh, fellow bitcoiners i mean just in general you have to you have to know who you're speaking to you know and uh, we, we also try to do orange peeling like because m- most people don't most people who need Bitcoin, they don't know that they need Bitcoin. And that's the, that's the thing. That's why like over half of our content that we push is educational because before somebody needs to understand that they need Bitcoin, they need to learn about Bitcoin. Um, and yeah, it just comes down to really knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to. And I would say like Relay has two two audiences. So like we have the Bitcoiners who we speak to on uh, on Twitter and then, but, but then we also have lots of normies, so we also have to keep it in mind, you know, that you know, to we have to step out of our bubble and also talk to them, talk their language, uh, you know. Yeah, and I mean, what I like is, uh, I think this is a bit of a hidden secret with you guys. Uh, if we have someone listening along who's fucking loaded, <laughs> if you got a lot of money and you want to buy Bitcoin, you guys also offer an OTC service or like a private service. And uh, I actually know someone personally in Switzerland who was like in 2022, I think it was in May or June. It was just when um, the whole like Luna BS happened. I just like, oh my God, if, if Bitcoin is going down slow, uh, lower and like I can pick it up at basically 20 and it goes back up to 60, I like 3x. He was immediately calculating. I was like, okay, he's getting in on price. I can like find my way into orange pilling. And um, he asked me like, where can I buy a couple of Bitcoin? And I was like, well, there's like Relay, but just contact their private service. And he got back to me. It's like, oh my God, next to like buying the Bitcoin, I also got like the whole experience. You know, what is the idea behind it? What do you do? And that was that was quite amazing. And I think it was in not the later stages of that service. It was quite early when he got on. And he spent like three hours in a call. Uh, visited a couple of them in Zurich. So um, that was quite unique to see that you guys also make the effort if uh, people outside of like, let's call it a normal relay experience get to you and uh, get orange pilled uh, the right way because they hopefully can bring more people into relay and then into the Bitcoin landscape. Yeah, the the relay private, we've been kind of quiet about it last year. This this year, we definitely want to talk about it more because that's, that's actually where most of the money is made, you know, with the high ticket sales. Um, we, we, we were not able to focus on it because we were, we were so focused on just improving the retail experience. Cause I, I believe that's like, that's the way to get the, the whales to use relays, just like grow the whole, grow the whole funnel. 
and just try to get more users and like most of the private guys that come to us it's their existing user that just you know stack stats but then you know uh, suddenly they have more money and they just want to make a bigger purchase so arsen next to uh posting memes all day as you said in, in the did we hit record already or did you say that before in the intro i can't remember um what is sort of the everyday stuff you do to um, further get into the Bitcoin landscape? Like, do you like to listen to certain podcasts, watch certain shows on YouTube, read certain books? Um, how do you go about finding out what's going on in the Bitcoin world? Well, I write apart my own rabbit news- hole stories, of course. Yes, apart from rabbit hole stories, well, I write my own newsletter. So that's that's what forces me to keep uh, in the loop. We can talk about that later, but I consume lots of content. Uh, some content I have outgrown and some Bitcoin content gets repetitive. It's the same people, same guests. And that's what we want to do with Relay Podcast. We want to have different people. We want to talk about real life stories of how Bitcoin helps. Not some, you know, uh, not some abstract macro concept. Um, the content I consume mostly is Twitter. Like it, it's a social media, but it's it's a, it's also a news aggregator. That's that's where I, I get most of my info, and that's where the news hit the first. So I would say mostly Twitter. I don't really read Bitcoin books anymore. I used to. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm burned out from Bitcoin books. I do listen to a few podcasts. Uh, but yeah, honestly, it's mostly Twitter, but also like my work forces me to keep in the, stay in the loop. And uh, I, uh, b- because I consume this content anyway, that's why I thought I might as well write about it. Yeah, I liked the, um, did you post it today or yesterday at the time of recording the, the Giga chat with like the TLDR logo? Yeah, that's, 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 that's how I imagine uh, the person who reads my newsletter is. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you should like all my posts, obviously. Yeah, definitely. So are you, um, are you like a Twitter list guy or are you one who has everything in one place if we look behind the scenes of Relay? How do you manage a Twitter account? What do you mean? There are apparently a lot of people who have to manage like big social followings and such. They have everything very organized and like Twitter lists and they have certain settings with like hashtags and stuff. Do you don't care or do you just go with the flow? Uh, you know, I, I know there are some people who love organizing stuff, but they don't actually get, get anything done. And I'm, I'm, I'm not very organized person, but I think that's also my strength. Um, uh, you know, I just behave like a normal user. And that's, I think, how you're successful as a brand. You just, you just behave like a normal user. You know, you interact with people, you talk with people. Uh, don't try to automate everything, even though, you know, some things you should. But just don't try to look like a bot and just, just be natural on the platform. And that's, that's, how I, uh, that's how I manage Relay. Maybe it's, maybe it's um, not efficient, but I think... I think that's important uh, to just to just be just a community member. You know, I don't want Relay to be a faceless brand. I, you know, Relay is not my personality. There's definitely some aspects from my personality, but I want Relay brand to be just like another pleb, you know, because at Relay, we're all plebs. And I would say that the Relay brand is sort of like combination of our values and combination of, you know, our, our traits as a company. And uh, yeah, just just be like another another pleb. Yeah, it's nice, I guess. Um, Ian, have you have you do you install Relay last time when we interviewed Emo, right? Yeah, no, I've got I've got it now. So you were you able to buy some sets already with it, or um, not yet? But I've um, applied for a Revolut um, account, mm. 
So I'm going to do it via Revolut because I remember that's how you suggested I do it, right? That's the best way to do it if you're trying to convert it into euros or something. Yeah, I usually send the amount I want to DCA over to Revolut and then just convert it to euro and buy it this way. Right. Um, I mean, technically you could use Apple Pay with your UK account. I don't know if your UK bank account has Apple Pay so or mm. Google Pay. You're, Google you're an Android Pay. guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll give that a go. Yeah, you can use Google Pay, you can use Apple Pay. And yeah, it's it's not as easy as we would like because we don't support the, the pound um, uh, natively. But I'm sure Imo talked about it uh, in his episode. Uh, so yeah, most of our users just use Revolut or something like Starlink. Not Starlink, Starlink. What's the, I think I'm pronouncing they, it right. They, haven't they blocked you yet? They, um, they cut off all ties with like crypto exchanges and they put Bitcoin obviously in the same bracket. I wouldn't be surprised. And I think it's a matter of time when Revolut also does this, like, you know, it's unfortunate, but you know, sometimes we get blacklisted, mm. you know, and it's just the, the fiat banking system. But it's, uh, it, it's funny to see, cause uh, Ian, remember what Emo said last time that, um, Arsene does a great job on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Um, and I would like to dive down into, you mentioned it a few times, building a brand, showing a personality. Uh, what would be like your your three tips to give someone in the Bitcoin space to further uh, value, increase the value of like their Twitter or social followings or their social presence for that matter? Aren't you the professional? Shouldn't I be asking you? Me? God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're, you're, you doing, you're doing a heck of a job. <laughs> uh, yeah, do, do you uh, like... Do you mean like a brand account or like a personal account? I think most of our listeners are plebs. Yeah, I think I think most. Yeah, I think what Joel's saying is that um, I think a lot of people on Twitter they they actually um, well you got Bitcoin Twitter right in the sense that people are Bitcoiners and they're tweeting pretty much nothing but Bitcoin. Um, they're they're providing signal as best they can. Some. Um, <laughs> Some of the signal is uh, louder than others and some of the signal is unhelpful. Um, but despite all that, what is the best way that people can uh, better engage with people on social media like Twitter? How, what's the best way that they can reach uh, the masses? Uh, well, it depends. It depends on your goals. Like, um, you know, I mean, Twitter is social media, so incentives are already like against you. It's just you get you get rewarded for you know clickbait content that you know that speaks to your monkey brain that creates a knee-jerk knee reaction and uh, you know i'm guilty of it too you know the, it's it's called engagement farming so like i would not like unfortunately the the bitcoin community lives on twitter i would prefer it to be somewhere else but but yeah did, did you want to know like tips on growing your twitter account or how to reach masses if you want to share, yeah, if you've got some hidden tricks. You want me to spill all the beans? Basically, we want you to um, we want you to spill the beans so everyone can grow as fast as back into your account or the Relay account. Yeah, well, the answer is memes. Uh, and that's like, I'm half joking. But yeah, memes is, is really powerful because, I mean, on the on first glance, it might seem like it's just a funny picture, but it's actually like a, it's a prepackaged narrative. And a meme doesn't work if it's not based on truth. You know, I made a I made a tweet earlier where I said that Bitcoin will will win because it has the best memes. Crypto will fail because it has bad memes, and fiat money will lose because it has no memes. And uh, you know, there there was also this thing where you know, do you know the the left can't meme uh, thing? 
that happened uh, a few years ago. Basically, like there were like people were talking about how the left cannot meme, like uh, because their memes are not based on truth. You know, a meme needs to have this knee-jerk reaction. You know, and if if you think about a meme too long, it means it's a bad meme. And that's why, like for example, most of the memes I create, they're just like created on a whim. I don't really think about them because if I think about them, they become worse. So yeah, I mean, memes, especially in Bitcoin community and just like in in community-driven projects, memes are really important. They really help build the community. So meme, meme from the heart, not the head. Go, go with meme from the heart, yeah. Yeah, and if it's, you know, if you overthink it, people will notice. Then it's not a it's not a good meme. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just general growth tips on on Twitter. Like Twitter is not a great acquisition platform. So if you want to get new users like directly, it's you know it's really tricky, especially with Bitcoiners. You know, they they hate the sleazy marketer type, and they can smell bullshit from miles. Like for example, me, I have my ad blocker. Everything I don't see any ads. If I see an ad on Twitter on my Twitter timeline, I block it. So, uh, yeah, just don't try to be sleazy. Just really, like, as I said before, like I'm repeating myself, but just try to be a community member. If it doesn't feel organic, you're gonna fail. Uh, obviously, there's the the clickbait tweets, which obviously do well, but don't always provide value. But you want, you know. Uh, but those are great for engagement, but also like educational content is really important, which is like, we have about, we have done a bunch of infographics. We have the podcast the newsletter. So we're going really heavy. Uh, and like we have a uh, Raphael, he's pretty much full time. Just his job is, uh, his, his title should be actually the chief orange pill officer because his job is pretty much just educating people via different mediums. I'm more of a joker. Like my job is probably not that important, but uh, yeah, I mean, but also with social media, like you just need to be a social person. It's it, there's no really hard skills involved. Like you know, it's mostly soft skills. Just knowing, knowing how to talk to people, knowing popular culture, knowing Bitcoin culture, and uh, you know, I'm a Bitcoiner, so for me, it's it it comes quite naturally. But as as I mentioned, it's it can be tiring and uh, especially with social media managers there's a lot of burnout because you have to be everywhere and the the platforms you you know you're at the whim of the algorithm one change like right now everybody on twitter is making their accounts private because apparently you get better better engagement i don't know what that thing is about but like you're at the whim of the algorithms so it's like i would say if you want like zen in your life don't manage social media like there, there, I've seen so many rage quit stories where people just leave social media because it's it's just too much. There's so much noise and there's no signal, uh, which is like, I prefer to consume all of my content via written form, which is articles, uh, newsletters, and also like long form audio. Uh, so yeah, I, but also to be successful, you have to be a user, like, uh, like you cannot automate everything. You have to actually, consume the content because that's also how you get inspiration. I would say those are like the main tricks, which is just be genuine, be yourself, like learn some basic, like social interaction skills. 
I guess. How how is um Nostra gonna affect your um ability to remain um in communication with the masses and is is not because I, I i'm I'm finding myself a little bit resistant going over to it i don't know why to be honest um part of me thinks oh is it just a fad or um part of me is like mm, I, I i don't quite know what the transition is all about um maybe you can give me some insight on that arson well i don't think i know i don't know if i know i have i have any inside information on that but it's like it reminds me of when a few years ago everybody left for Mastodon, left quote unquote, <laughs> and then they just came back. I think people get just get tired with being at the whim of the you know Twitter overlords, and they always go somewhere else. I don't know if it's going to be successful. If it is, Relay is going to be on Nostr. We already are. It's not great for Android and web, so we're not really doing there much. But like. If that's where the community goes, that's where we go. You know, Bitcoin started on Bitcoin Talk forum, then it went to Reddit. Now it's on Twitter, and uh, it's only natural that it evolves. Like it might be on Nostr, and if it's on Nostr, then we're going to be there. I guess that the, the issue I'm having with Nostr, I kind of like um, a couple of aspects. So I like the um, the privacy, and with privacy, I mean it's not like super hardcore. You can't install Linux and such, but you have the different relays and um, for the non-technical people, it's basically kind of similar like Mastodon where you can be on different instances and servers, but the relays are not um, as censored, I would say, as on certain Mastodon servers. And you can basically send out one message to all of your relays and one to just maybe a relay with your family or whatever. So you can control your content distribution a bit better. And obviously, because it's um, built on a similar principle to like a Bitcoin, uh, a Bitcoin wallet, essentially, where you've got like a public and a private key, uh, all of your messages and DMs are encrypted end to end. But um, what I really struggle with is like, again, how do we convince normal people? It's already hard for most people to like get running on social, you know? Uh, I mean, pff, no countless family members who have Twitter accounts, but just like look at it once a month or something because it's that much overload and with Noster, a lot of it feels like you have to self-configure you have to find your relays and these end pops these are public keys are just not as convenient as like a username so i think it still would have a long way to go and it, it's like you said with mastodon it's just another micro blogging site that some people meet and then others are on on Twitter, which is, um, is, is Twitter going down the hill in your experience? I read a lot of tweets today, like it's so bad. And on my end, it's always working. So it doesn't feel any different than what it did a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't know what the moaning is about. Twitter works, but I mean, it all stems from, you know, the general trend of censorship. You know, why do we Bitcoin? Because, you know, we want money that cannot be censored. And it's the same with Noster and, uh, and uh, what's the other thing that we just talked about? The Mastodon, it's, uh, you know, it's the same principle. People want to control their data. They want to control their own audience. And they don't want to be at the whim of the, the you know, algorithm. But, you know, we'll see if it picks up. Right now, it's a it's a pretty bad UX. But, like, if, if that's where the community goes, that's where Relay has to go. Because, you know, we have to go where our users are. And we'll always have this core user group, which is Bitcoiners. 
So we followed them. I guess my, my struggle with it, to be honest, I don't know, I'm just trying to think why I'm so resistant to it. And I think part of it might come from the fact that it almost seems like um, it's become this kind of, um, how can I put it in words, digital uh, citadel of, of uh, for Bitcoiners to go and just talk Bitcoin, but obviously talk um, about their deeper beliefs uh, about where Bitcoin's going and things like that and remain private in doing so, which of course is fine and absolutely right if they, they want to do that. But I think my resistance to it is, well, we still need to provide signal in the real world, in the normal fiat world at the same time. And if we lock ourselves away somewhere digitally and just communicate Bitcoin, we're just kind of creating an island. And I don't know, I'm a little bit kind of, well, if we can do a bit of both or, you know, I mean, Bitcoin hasn't got a marketing, marketing department um, and we are basically its marketing department as plebs. So if we lock ourselves away and just talk Bitcoin to ourselves, it's not going to get anywhere. I think, I think that's where my resistance is coming from. If we're the marketing department, what's our budget? Does anybody know? <laughs> but I never, I never liked the idea of citadels because, like, like basically the reason you said like Bitcoin should be for everybody. But I also don't believe in forcing Bitcoin down people's throats. So when people are ready, they'll come. Like for example, my fiance, like she's been with me for three years. She's probably she's already very tired of me talking about Bitcoin, and I stopped talking to her about it because, you know. She needs her own experience and, you know, to understand Bitcoin, something needs to click. And if you live in a Western Western country, you know, 2%, 3%, 5%, even 15% inflation is still manageable. So like most people don't think about Bitcoin. They have their own everyday worries. Um, and yeah, but yeah, that's why we should just, that's why I'm, I'm not like into like, you don't want to be the guy who talks about Bitcoin all the time because people will just hate you. And uh, yeah, just you have to know who you're talking to. Like, for example, if you're talking to a homeowner, you could mention that, you know, uh, about the interest rates or how, you know, price, why are home prices overvalued? And you could start, that could be a conversation starter that can lead to Bitcoin, but only if they're interested. Uh or if you're talking to, uh, you know, young parents who want to save for the future, but they see everything getting more expensive in grocery stores, that could be a conversation opener. And then you can somehow tie Bitcoin into it. But if you notice that they're not interested, like, I think, I think our efforts are better used somewhere else. That's why I don't mind Bitcoiners creating their own little eco chamber, you know, where we talk with each other and smell our own farts. Um, but yeah, I, I think when people are ready, they will come. And, and Bitcoin companies are there with their educational tools. You know, I'm a big fan of what Swan Bitcoin does. And this is also what we want to do is sort of be like a educational hub for Europeans. And when the normies come, we will have everything ready for them. You know, all the content we do is newbie friendly. And I think with, with you know, the next bull market, the newbies are going to come. Some of them are going to leave, probably majority, but some of them are going to stay. And every and every every cycle, there's more Bitcoiners, and that's how it goes. Like it's very organic. 
Hey everybody, this is Questioning Bitcoin here. I just want to steal your attention for a second from the episode. It won't take long, I promise. I hope everyone's enjoying the show. We certainly are. It's an interesting conversation this evening. We just wanted to mention the fact that so far, um, obviously this is a new podcast. We are uh, we don't have any sponsors, but you can help us. If you really like our content, please follow us, subscribe, shill us on all the socials that you can get the noise out there for us um you can follow us on all the platforms particularly fountain as well uh, where you can clip uh, your favorite parts of the moments and just share the hell out of it for us that'd be fantastic next to that it also helps to review our podcast whether you listen in on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, uh, spotify wherever it is if you could give us a five-star review obviously uh, we want to go for the best right uh, that'd be really helpful and um, like ian said if you're on fountain the clips really help us out it pushes the podcast as well and uh, just to remind you fountain is built on the lightning network so we also support a fantastic product built on bitcoin rails that's it for now thanks and we'll let you get back to the episode uh, that's that's one of the reasons why we started a podcast because we said okay we want to see we want to a show the people behind you know the, the orange bitcoin logo because if i uh, talk to normal people they're like oh yeah that's this thing with like this orange logo and it always goes up and then it crashes uh fantastically um again fair point uh if you talk to normal people and they want to say that you tell them safe in bitcoin they're like what do you mean safe Bitcoin? every four years it crashes more than 70 percent like yeah okay that's an argument you can take uh, it can go also go up again right that's the counter argument that if you understand the cycles and such but again if you've never invested an hour research into these things it, it adds up that they are quite hesitant um so we want to showcase the people behind it that they are normal people like you today you do social media you have a life outside of bitcoin there are things you may not be in agreement with <laughs> okay i tried i tried slipping in the noble pill <laughs> for the sake of it let's say you somehow have um and yeah i mean be, be critical that we're often doing a very bad job in terms of what this uh, movement or this future is all about yeah because we're so deep into it it's hard to like it's hard to take a step back and look out like obviously we know all the inside jokes and all the memes but then we assume everybody else thinks like we do but bitcoiners are just you know there's a meme built different and it's true bitcoiners are built different you know we're we're a paranoid bunch that's why we are so you know I mean that's why we like Bitcoin, but most people they they're not on the same level uh, at all, and um, yeah, but that's that's where education comes in. Really, it's it's a it's a boring answer, but there is no you know there is no you know there's no tricks. You just it's it's a slow grind. Uh, you just have to educate people, and you know point them in the right direction. You know, which is also. Uh, Sorry for shilling Relay so much, but that's why like, I like Relay. It's because it's self-custodial, not too many documents. And, and you know, when you use our app, we also recommend you to buy a bit, uh, Bitbox when you have over 500 uh, euros in your uh, wallet. Um, so it's just driving the users, like also with our product, you know, it, we always try to dive, drive user to do the best practices. Yeah, and... Going back on your point with um, meeting people where they're at, 
is essentially what you're saying. And it's 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 a difficult one. I think it's a challenge for for certainly me as a Bitcoiner, but I, I find for a lot of other Bitcoiners, once you're down the rabbit hole, um, and the deeper down the rabbit hole you are, and the little avenues that you've gone down and discovered and and hold dear as an idea um, or a discovery that you've made now that you've discovered Bitcoin as a consequence, you're finding out all these other things. And sometimes it's easy to get sort of lost down there in the, in, the, in that warren um, that is the rabbit hole. And and when, when you're engaging with people, it's hard to sort of disengage Bitcoin because Bitcoin resonates in all parts of society. Um, every, all roads lead back to Bitcoin in a way. So if you're fully orange-pilled and hardcore into Bitcoin, which um, I am and and all of us um, are here, um, it's sometimes difficult to sort of um, hold back my tongue a little bit in, in social situations and sort of try and sort of orange people, uh, orange pill people in that moment. So I've had to kind of rein it in quite a lot. And only when topics come up, I might meet people where they are um, with with whatever topic it is, and it may lead to Bitcoin. But I'm I'm also kind of very. <laughs> conscious that if I go too hard on Bitcoin or talk about it all the time, I don't want to be that kind of, oh, that Bitcoin guy. I don't want to be the person We're that all the people Bitcoin try guy. to, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be that person that people are trying to avoid at a social gathering. <laughs> so it's, it's a difficult balance. Yeah. I mean, it's totally understandable. Like when you discover Bitcoin, it's like, oh, holy shit. Bitcoin does actually fix so many things. You know, you can argue that maybe it doesn't fix like art or fiat food, like safety in uh, argues, but like it, it definitely is a root cause to a lot of the societal problems. And what do you do in that situation when you learn something groundbreaking? You want to go scream from the top of the roof that, you know, Bitcoin fixes this, like, listen, but like, yeah, as we discussed, like people they're not receptive to that message when they have their own worries, you know, just like everyday worries. And the Bitcoin seems so abstract, like nobody cares what's happening. It's like life is happening on autopilot and it doesn't feel like you can do anything about it. But once you learn about Bitcoin, you're like, holy shit, we can actually, we can actually, you know, do something about these problems. But it's just a, such a deep rabbit hole and uh, I noticed it with myself, you know, once I fell down the rabbit hole and became a Bitcoin maximalist, I was definitely more toxic uh, and more hardcore. And definitely I was the Bitcoin guy. And then I just noticed that like the strategy doesn't work. So I just, I just stopped and uh, I don't really talk about it anymore, except if some somebody asked me or if I can really tie it into a topic, but I pretty much stopped trying to orange people who don't want to listen. But if they're curious, I will definitely spend a lot of time with them. Uh, and that's the great thing about, you know, this kind of organic grassroots movement, which is Bitcoin, is that Bitcoiners are extremely helpful. You know, if Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing department, we definitely have a support department. Like if there's, if you have a question, like, and you ask a Bitcoiner, they will spend hours with you until, you know, we figure out the, the problem. Because That's true. we're so we're so invested. I think we're not only invested, but we 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 genuinely see the dangers to like society, money, insert whatever thing you think Bitcoin fixes. 
And uh, if you've once seen the, the the possibility to solve that problem, you can't unsee it. And uh, I think we all have sort of like a helper's dilemma. We want to go in like, like, oh shit, that guy can't send money overseas because it's too expensive. Like, let me orange pill him. Or um, in other cases, uh, they lost money in like the stock market while Bitcoin was rallying. Let me explain to them how they can make it up again. I think that's sort of that that helper syndrome we want to push forward just because we've seen what the possibility on the other side uh, might look like. Yeah. And, you know, there's different approaches to, you know, setting the outcome. As I said, like you need to know who you're talking to and then you have to somehow tie Bitcoin to the problems that they're having in their life. Uh, but the problem is that most people don't know what money is and it starts with money. Like you don't really, like why would you care about Bitcoin if you don't really know what money is and what's wrong with current money? And if you do just a little bit of research about you know the history of money and how like whole civilizations fall because of the basement of money, like it all starts making sense and it clicks. And, you know, I think that's what we're experiencing right now in the West. You know, we're slowly watching our civilization crumble. It's because we are debasing the money. You know, before it was, you know, coin clipping, clipping a small piece of the coin. And now it just happens digitally. Some bureaucrat who is not elected pushes a few buttons and uh, it erases your, your energy, basically, your time. Because at the end of the day, money is time. Like, it's not a means to an end. You want money so you can have more time and freedom. And somebody is eroding your freedom by debasing your money. And uh, yeah, most people don't know about money. So I think the starting point should be always trying to, like, like a simple question is, what is money? And it's so hard to answer because money is... Is so many things, you know, medium of exchange, unit of account, store of value. It's half of every transaction. It's half of the economy. And um, just people just need to know what is money. And uh, parents don't teach it because, you know, education is outsourced to government-funded public schools. And why would government-funded public schools teach us anything about money? Like, they don't benefit. They don't. They don't benefit from it in any way. They don't want people to think from themselves. It's they just want grant workers, you know, because those are the type type of people they need, you know, to support the pension system, which is, you know, unlike Bitcoin, a literal pyramid scheme. Uh, that you know, I think at some point it's gonna collapse in many countries. But yeah, you have to know what is money to understand Bitcoin. That's that's very true. And it's very true what you say about the educational system as well, particularly in the West. You know, I'm always I'm starting to, to understand and really see now that school is just a training camp for for work. It's, it's, it's like there's the hamster's wheel. That's how you get on it. And that's how hard you need to run. <laughs> that's pretty much what what school produces is is people um that don't that it's like don't ask questions uh don't do it that way otherwise you're going to get punished for a detention or something like that you know they're, they're training these these young people to to think in a certain way and don't challenge authority and and all that does is is produces a, a workforce um I don't. I, I'm. I'm. I know. I'm at the risk of sounding a bit like a conspiracy theorist right now. But the more, the the, the more that I 
here, um, my stepdaughter coming home from school and learning history, and she talks about the things that she learned in history. I'm like, mm, it didn't quite happen like that. You know, you, you're getting you're getting taught in a bias way, um, and education isn't as as sort. I mean, we spoke to a couple of people, haven't we, Joel? Who, who uh, one of them in particular, Angelo, who dropped out of school, and he, he wrote this twenty uh, three page letter to his parents uh, to try and explain why it is he didn't want to remain in school anymore. And and part of that was like, basically, I can educate myself on on the internet. All the information I need is out there. You know, why do I need to go and spend um, the vast majority of my day in school talking about? things that are out of date that aren't relevant anymore and not necessarily the actual truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I made a tweet recently that Bitcoin Twitter taught more. It teaches you more like a few months on Bitcoin Twitter teaches you more than three years in your university. And um, like, I, I don't know about history. It might be somewhat factual, but like you always need to have context in mind, which is, where critical thinking skills, you know, come into play. And if, you know, if the school and the government wanted your best, they would teach you how to think for yourself, you know. But none of this is taught. And yeah, as you said, they just want hamsters to support the system. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen like, I know Daniel Prince homeschools his kids. That's a big trend with Bitcoiners. I don't know if I would personally go that far. I don't know how he does it. Uh, I don't have kids. I don't think he teaches them himself. I think there's like a, it's like a, it, it is a school, but it's like a remote school where it's like alternative stuff. Don't really know about it. But yeah, for sure. I mean, I can totally understand. And uh, I don't want to tell anybody to drop out of school, but like, it doesn't make sense to be in school because there's so much value on the internet. Like if you want to learn something, just Google it. It's out there for sure. Yeah, I mean, just just to imagine, you're spending, um, Ian, is it also 12 years in school if you do like college and stuff in the UK? I mean, um, it's been a long time for you. Pretty much you're in full-time education. You're in full-time education. It's been a very long time. Thanks, Joel. Um, school starts when you're five um, here in the UK. What? Yeah, five years old is pretty much like infant school. That's when that's when you okay. start learning, um, and then you can be in um, education up to the age of. I think you can go to college, which is um, optional. No, I don't know if it's even optional anymore. I think there's some sort of mandatory thing where you have to be in education up until the age of twenty-one, and if you're not, you have to be on some kind of apprentice scheme. That's my latest understanding of education now. Well, I mean, but what I want to say is like you spent 12, maybe 13 years in the system. And then, I mean, I know how it was for me. Like you get out, you, you I did, um, basically, the, I think the Swiss version of college is comparable to like the first year at uni, if you finish, because we got a bit of a higher education system in that matter. Um, but I remember getting out, I was like, okay, I know more or less what I want to do. And then you started applying for jobs. I immediately started freelancing because I was like, I want to do whatever I, the fuck I want. Um, but then you get like your first gig or job and then you're sitting there like, okay, I maybe know what the theory is. I maybe know how to write write an essay. Uh, if you do other professions, you maybe know the theory behind accounting, but you've never really done the work. And I think that's the biggest thing they're missing in school. And to get back to your point, Arsene, they don't teach you about money. 
just simple things like, hey, did you know that money used to be silver rings, which they used to be like salt, essentially, turned into and different stones turned into silver, gold. There was a version with like coins, with rings. Then it turned to checks. Then it turned digitally. You know, all that process where you can like give kids essentially stuff into their own hands. Like this used to be money. And they go like, oh shit, this used to be money. And then you teach them the different things, what like an interest rate is, how depth is basically running the world. But that's just not the thing they want to run forward. Yeah, but it begs the question though, why, why are they not teaching us those things in school you guys sound like conspiracy theorists it's like there's something at play here but uh, i mean government just doesn't benefit from people who think for themselves and have their own opinions because then they they come up with stuff like bitcoin which undermines their power you know like i don't know how some people put together the the idea of democracy i mean not democracy but like government and bitcoin like government adoption of bitcoin to me like i don't know what's your opinion on this but to me it just doesn't make sense like bitcoin directly undermines government power like the more the bigger bitcoin gets the smaller government gets because they cannot raise i mean they can raise taxes but it gets significantly harder when it's bitcoin which is a push system not a pull system like you have to send bitcoin to somebody for them to receive it. It's not like with modern banking where you just, the government can take your money and basically banks are government subcontractors. So yeah, I'm going to take my team for a hat off now. I mean, it's not, it's not, first of all, it's not a conspiracy because um, essentially the government can take your money via different schemes with banks. And I mean, on the other end, I always compare that to a lot of people, normal people don't know that our world that the world reserve currency which is the US dollar currently is running on a massive debt hill like that hill is increasing minute by minute uh, i could maybe link the um US debt uh, clock on online which is like ticks all the time how much more debt they increase um and just to fathom you have to basically turn something negative on twice to like get money out of the system to a lot of people, that is controversial. But um, to us Bitcoiners, it's like, oh yeah, that's just how the world works. Um, and just for that fact alone, that if I tell this to someone normal, that you get labeled like a tinfoil hat wearer or whatever, that is what's crazy to me. And that really shows the power, as you mentioned, of like government. I would say the information complex, because like government is constructed out of different use cases. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm personally, it's inevitable that we will see Bitcoin in governments at some point, because like you mentioned, taxes and all of these things. Um, but yeah, I would definitely sign uh, that it shouldn't be hand in hand. One is out there to destroy the other either way. So um, why trying to find a way to essentially collude with them? I think we should de definitely differentiate there. But it's going to happen anyway, I think. I think there's a prisoner's dilemma at play. So the... You know, the governments, you know, are just, especially the small ones, they're just looking at each other and they're just waiting for somebody to announce it. Because if you announce it first, like El Salvador did, you will benefit a lot. The big countries don't have an incentive to do it, but the small ones definitely do. And uh, I don't like to make predictions, but I, I think it's going to be like a smaller nation that, you know, doesn't benefit from the dollar hegemony. 
And uh, to your point about, you know, us sounding like conspiracy theorists, this is how we come across to normies, even though what we're saying makes sense to us. And uh, that's why it's important to always just adjust and speak their language, which is also what, you know, what I have... I have to do with social media, you know, sometimes we talk to normies, you know, on some channels, it's not Bitcoiners, we have to talk their language. And it's just, it's tricky sometimes because, you know, as Ian said, we, you know, we Bitcoiners tend to barricade ourselves into this dark corner of the internet. I mean, not dark to us, but that's how people see it. And then we lose touch with reality, how normal people think. But it's just, uh, it's tricky, I admit it. That's the thing. It goes right back to our original point um, about about meeting people where they're at, because it this is this is the, these are the things that we're talking about are true. Um, like you say, the, these things are actually happening. These are the things you realize, and the veil sort of slips, um, you know, in front of your eyes, and you can see it for what it is. And when you when you are talking like that, and quite frankly, with people, they're like, oh shit, like this guy's a bit sort of deep <laughs> he's a bit intense um so yeah it's it's it, this is this is exactly the conversation that we as bitcoiners have because that's what we've seen um and uh, down the rabbit hole but talking to other people it, it becomes a different conversation entirely for them yeah thanks for thanks for talking that through with us arsan because um some it's, it's always valuable i think to sometimes sit in something and just sort of like discuss it amongst ourselves because it's a difficult one um sometimes and that's this is part of my resistance to the whole nostra thing as well is um you know it's, we need to sort of educate people and and by getting on these platforms i know you know people have got issues with elon as of i and and the whole censorship thing and the centralized platforms and things like that but we still need to use these platforms in in a way that's my opinion anyway yeah it's a means to an end isn't it like right what you want to do like do it do it like all the the idiots at hollywood saying i'm gonna leave twitter and then you're never <coughs> gonna fucking leave because you would lose yeah. all of your sponsorships and whatever right right what you want to do <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have a middle ground and i think um we bitcoiners tend to be bad at that sort of because we're trying to chase immediately you know if if, if like the fed says i don't know CBDs are coming this fall. We immediately go like, oh, you can opt out with Bitcoin now. Okay. Which which, le le which leads me to the question, what is it we, as Bitcoins we can do better out there? What is it that we can do to, to, to be better at putting that signal out there? Is it more social media, Arsene? Is it more people like you? Or is there other ways that we can better represent Bitcoin for Bitcoin's sake? Well, I think it's people like you basically content creators who talk about Bitcoin. And uh, I think your podcast is really approachable because you're not too technical and you talk to normal people. Uh, I think it's just more education. And when people are ready, they will search. And when they will search, they will find your podcast and they will find uh, the Bitcoin book somewhere and they will find another newsletter that, you know, is approachable. But I also think that, like, we should not think about too much about what we can do as long as money printing continues and the clown world continues you know bitcoin uh, that benefits bitcoin so for me it's just tiktok next block and i can sit i can sit and do nothing and bitcoin's going to win to me to me there it's to me it's just at this point it's inevitable you know the the world like 
the best way to stop Bitcoin is for governments to stop money printing. But again, it's also a prisoner's dilemma. Governments need to, they want to outspend each other and they need to spend, you know, so they cannot stop. It's uh, it's mm. far too far too gone. That's why you just have to be patient, and this will take many years. Yeah, I I think this is also I might be a bit biased because I just finished editing Knut's episode before we got on here, and uh, it was a super optimistic one. Uh, I think this is also the one thing that I see with CBDCs, where a lot of people, obviously, we all know the dangers to them, but at the end of the day they still have to implement a very complex topic, which CBDC is just another cryptocurrency at the end of the day, controlled by a central state. Uh, but you still have like, you have the uh, the central bank of like Germany, uh, you have the bank of England, you have, I don't know, the bank of Congo or whatever, if we go to Africa somewhere, they all have to communicate somehow on the same standard. And if you know how the modern banking rails work, just the financial marketplaces, this is never going to happen. So I think this is where we Bitcoiners, instead of like focusing on like, oh, these are the dangers to CBDCs, um, we should be more optimistic thinking about, hey, yeah, of, obviously all of these dangers are valid, but uh, they still have to implement that shit. And uh, you literally have an opt-out with Bitcoin if you want to go down this road. Well, thank you for that optimism. Um, I definitely don't want to be a doom and gloomer, but uh, yeah, but I think CBDCs, you know, they're not going to talk. I mean, it's just going to be a, a nice interface, you know, like pretty much what what Chivo did with, uh, you know, Chivo Wallet from El Salvador. Yes. Like, don't like this wallet at all. It's really bad. And the government collected, you know, you had to connect your, uh, you know, personal number, uh, ID. You had to scan your ID to use it. And uh, they just basically airdrop Bitcoin. And I think that's the same strategy as CBDCs. I mean, central banks are going to do with CBDCs. It's just going to be a nice interface. You know, this is super easy, like, you know, uh, really good UX. And they, I think they're just going to airdrop money to people. Uh, so I think the big next big fight is going to be against CBDCs for sure. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, people are going to use them. But yeah, people just need to get burned. Like that's that's just my opinion. People need to get burnt, touch the stove to to learn. I, I was going to say I was I was driving on the M1 motorway yesterday. I was coming from um, Northamptonshire back to London southbound, and I was just sort of like you know on the M1 um, going the legal speed limit, of course. But um, <laughs> of course. as as I was approaching this this um, footbridge. I could see some graffiti on it and, and it said, say no to CBDCs. And I was like, yeah, say no to CBDC. I was like, I wish I could like uh, have my phone right now. I know I can't take a picture when I'm driving. I even considered looping back round from the next junction, <laughs> going northbound again, just to see, see if I can sort of like um, get my passenger to take a picture for me. Yeah, it was, um, it was brilliant. So there's hope for us yet. There's people putting the, the signal out already on the M1 southbound. I mean, that's what one of our future guests uh, said in a couple of interviews, um, Nico, Nico Yilch. He, he said, you know, at the end of the day, the biggest challenge central banks would have with CBDCs is getting commercial banks on board. Because what you need to imagine as, as a listener now is, let's say they implemented like they did it with uh, Chivo, 
And like you have to register, obviously KYC and all of these things. Um, but then the central bank will not like onboard you to download that wallet, to like do all of these things. And uh, if you think people are dumb, just increase the size of dumbness, essentially. That's how stupid most of the people out there are. That's just how, the thing, how it is, especially with technology. Do you really think the bank is going to make time for every customer to teach them how to use the CBDC, how it's going to work. No, of course not, because they don't have the resource. They're already closing down branches. They're already decreasing support customers and outsourcing them to cheaper countries. And those could be the biggest, <laughs> inevitably, the banks could be the biggest um, supporters against the CBDC system just because they like the way things are set up. Um, if you listen to Theo's episode where he talks about shadow banking, for example, these are all things possible currently on the now running fiat systems and also these sort of behind the doors back doors sort of stuff would essentially be evaporized if cbdc's existed so this is sort of the thing i'm always reminding myself if i read like a doom and gloom article like yeah there's a point to that maybe just maybe financial institutions and banks won't like that obviously they get access to cheap liquidity and such through cbdc's that's the whole different topic but um, who knows? We might meet, need to orange pill harder with certain institutions to uh, be the safeguard against CBDCs. So maybe you guys should pivot and do this podcast for bankers, educate them. May most of my friends are bankers. I'm I'm hard working on it. They they slowly get it, but it's just they used to like call a number at whatever institution and just get a couple mil to then trade away again in the afternoon. Um, that's unfortunately how that world is run. Um, but yeah, we're, we're trying to get some people in. I have some of like the wish list to speak to because we also want to get no coiners in and just listen to how they perceive Bitcoin. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the first time I hear this uh, this idea. Definitely very interesting. I would not put my trust into bankers to you know protect uh, protect us from CBDCs. Uh, just my fear in general is that when something is simple. Too simple, you know. There's big trade-offs made in the background, you know, and that's that's why it's an uphill battle to educate people about Bitcoin because Bitcoin is it's not. I mean, you can make a pretty interface, but like you still need to know best practices. You need to know how to manage your private keys, you know, potentially even run a full node. But like the bankers, the central bankers, they don't care about that. They uh, they can make a better product. That Bitcoiners could ever make, and uh, this is coming from me, who works at Relay, where we're trying to do, you know, we want to be the simplest app, and I think we are doing a decent job. Want to be better, but like central banks, I mean, CBDCs will never be able to compete with them because they make lots of trade-offs that Bitcoiners are simply not willing to make. Yeah, once 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 you're a Bitcoiner, it's I, I think it, it becomes something impenetrable for. Um, most Bitcoiners, it's like, like, um, um, I don't want to compare it to anything of, of value. I suppose I have to, it's like diamonds. It's like in, impenetrable, you know, it's, it's difficult to crack. Um, so once, once, um, Bitcoin is a Bitcoiner, it, they're very suspicious of institutions. They're very suspicious of, of people coming to them and saying, Hey, I've got this other great idea because they, they've been burnt one too many times and they know all the tricks. I used to work in a bank before before Relay. 
and I used to do like full-time KYC and I, I can tell you just how, like you would assume that a bank, a big financial institution, you know, takes care of customer data. But like, you know, we were, we were doing KYC and we were carrying this information unencrypted on laptops when we're, when, you know, when we went home. So that's the level of security you get with banks. So it's understandable that Bitcoiners don't trust that. And yeah, also it's like, I did KYC to people. Uh, I guess now I'm trying to like get my place in heaven back by doing Bitcoin work, but like I, it's not effective at all. Like the people who want to do crimes, they will not use a banking system. They will circumvent it. And it's like the accounts that I had to close, it was just, it was just people who failed to provide documents who we couldn't reach. Like, like your everyday people, like people who don't speak English and cannot provide the documents. They cannot explain what this transaction is. It's a really unfair system. And uh, I don't like, to me, it doesn't make sense why commercial banks have to like be like extension of police forces, you know, investigate crime. Uh, And yeah, definitely. I noticed myself like nowadays, like, I hope I never have to do KYC again, Uh, but like, Nowadays, I just like notice with myself all the time. Some somebody's asking for an email. I'm like, why do you need it? Why do you need this info? Why do you need that info? Uh, and it's just uh, once you go down the rabbit hole, you like definitely your uh, like you start thinking about these things. As, where whereas before it was just an autopilot. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Take my data. Uh, here's all the information. I just want uh, you know this nice shiny thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, for for the KYC point alone, like uh, there was a case last summer with Morgan Stanley, where they uh, obviously were like, if you like, let's say you leave your job at a bank, and then like your laptop gets refurbished, it gets cleaned and wiped out, and the security expert team was like, okay, let's really analyze them because many of these banks then end up selling the hardware, like to make, again, to make the quick buck that they're really trying to make everything to get money into that system. And what they uncovered was like, holy shit, they just basically pressed the delete everything button on the on the computer. Sometimes they didn't reset the OS, the operating system. Sometimes you open them up and you still saw like the name of the former employee or whatever. And a lot of times you still had like files on there, like you mentioned KYC data. So I think... Everyone who has never experienced that kind of world, it's more messed up than we think. And you can literally solve this with like, here's your public key. It's not bound to your identity. Um, you can control it because you have a private key, sort of the way wallets work or the uh, Nostra for that matter. Um, and if we want to check something, we're just going to ask for your, for your like uh, special password or your encryption key, whatever it is. You don't need to send your data in to get access to something as simple as a bank account. Um, but that's, I think that's a discussion point for a whole other episode because uh, uh, we can really go down another rabbit hole there if we want to. Yeah, and also like to add to that, it's not just banks. It's just people People are so eager to give away their data. Like Nobody cares about it. They give it out in an instant. And I think, like, I mean, we, we see we see hacks, you know, data leaks happening all the time. Uh, I used to work at Ledger when the data leak happened. So, uh, and it was just such a stupid mistake. 
and uh, it's a after all it's a security company you know focused on hardware security and and yet of course it happened on the website side but still you would assume there to be some kind of preventative method measures to stop this kind of thing but I think you know with all the data leaks and breaches happening I think people are just going to learn and I think yeah I think to, to sum up this episode I don't I don't know if we're ending but pretty much like people need to people just need to be burned like really that I, I believe in it that's that's what happened to me I lost money on crypto my data has been leaked my email is somewhere out there and uh yeah you just have to experience it and then you start taking things seriously yeah perfect um yes and uh, while while we um are ending i wanted to give you the opportunity to speak about anything that maybe we haven't spoke about that you was hoping to maybe speak about or is there a question that we should have asked you that um we can um elicit from you now is there anything else you want to to discuss before we round it up yeah not really uh it was a pleasure being on the podcast this is my first podcast appearance so i'm i'm not a natural yet you've popped your um, podcast cherry now so you're no no this is the second time this is the second time <laughs> this is my first english podcast ah oh, so. nice well you're you're more than welcome to come anytime it's been a pleasure having you Arsen. and uh, thank you for your insights thank you for your wisdom thank you for your honesty and um yeah is there anything you want to ask us yeah just wants to drag the episode out i can feel it <laughs> i'm in a groove now i'm in a groove what's your longest episode like what's the record this one this one i think no no it's uh knut's Let's make this one the longest. Okay. Or not. No, not really. Like you you guys are great at asking questions. I really enjoyed it. No, as of as of no, we it's perfect. Yeah, so thank you, Arsen. Um I think we'll round it up there then. So thank you for joining us. And uh see you soon. Take care. See you soon, Arsen. Bye.